your Bibles tonight, Nehemiah chapter 5. I'd like to read this chapter to you as we're making our way through the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah has been tasked by God to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Uh, they've been in dismay and been destroyed for many years now, and no one has stood up to the task, and God calls Nehemiah. And God's blessing Nehemiah. There's a great host of people who've determined uh, to help and serve and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And it's so exciting to watch it work and watch it happen. But like any work for God, it's going to be met with opposition. And uh, on a couple occasions already in the first four chapters, we've met the opposition. Uh, We've met folks that are determined to stop the work of God. And it is folks from the outside. And Nehemiah has faced and dealt with outside people. Problems At this moment in the story, we can see in our mind's eye, we can see uh, God's people and Nehemiah, the folks building the walls. They have swords strapped to their sides and, uh, and they are keeping guard and keeping watch. And also they're holding trials and, uh, and, and repairing the wall and doing the work. And I love the spirit of that. They're trusting the Lord and moving forward. Now, when we come to chapter number five, uh, they seem to have a little relief from the pressure that is from without, and now you'll never guess what's going to happen. There's going to be some problems and pressures that come from within. And I'll just tell you right now, these are the worst of the worst. When there's infighting among God's people, when there's battling and fighting among in families, it's the worst of the worst. And God expects us to deal with these things and to live lives that are pure and holy and humble, seeking uh, to keep things right with our family, with our church family. And uh, so there's problems from within. Tonight's message is titled that, Problems from Within. And we'll read together Nehemiah chapter number 5, uh, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, And there was a great cry of the people and of their wives against their brethren, the Jews. For there were that said, We, our sons and our daughters, are many. Therefore we take up corn for them that we may eat and live. Some also there were that said, We have mortgaged our lands, vineyards, and houses that we might buy corn beside because of the dearth. There were also that said, We have borrowed money for the king's tribute that, and that upon our lands and vineyards. Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as their children. And lo, we bring into bondage our sons and our daughters to be servants. And some of our daughters are brought unto bondage already. Neither is it in our power to redeem them, for other men have our lands and vineyards. And I was very angry when I heard their cry and these words. Then I consulted with myself And I rebuked the nobles and the rulers and said unto them, Ye exact usury, every one of his brother. And I set a great assembly against them. And I said unto them, We after our ability have redeemed our brethren the Jews, which were sold unto the heathen. And will ye even sell your brethren? Or shall they be sold unto us? Then held they their peace and found nothing to answer. Also I said... It is not good that ye do. Ought ye not to walk in the fear of our God because of the reproach of the heathen, our enemies? 
I likewise and my brethren and my servants might exact of them money and corn. I pray you, let us leave off this usury. Restore, I pray you, to them even this day their lands, their vineyards, their olive yards, and their houses. Also the hundredth part of the money and of the corn, the wine and the oil that ye exact of them. Then said they, we will restore them and will require nothing of them. So will we do as thou sayest. Then I called the priests and took an oath of them that they should do according to this promise. Also I shook my lap and said, So God shake out every man from his house and from his labor that performeth not this promise. Even thus be he shaken out and emptied. And all the congregation said, Amen. And praise the Lord. And the people did according to this promise. Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the twentieth year even unto the two and thirtieth year of Artaxerxes the king, that is twelve years, I and my brethren have not eaten the bread of the governor. But the former governors that had been before me were chargeable unto the people and had taken of them bread. And wine beside forty shekels of silver. Yea, even their servants bear rule over the people. But so did not I because of the fear of God. Yea, also I continued in the work of this wall. Neither bought we any land, and all my servants were gathered thither unto the work. Moreover, there were at my table an hundred and fifty of the Jews and rulers beside those that came unto us from among the heathen that are about us. Now that which was prepared for me daily was one ox and six choice sheep. Also fowls were prepared for me and once in ten days store of all sorts of wine. Yet for all this required not I the bread of the governor because the bondage was heavy upon this people. Think upon me, my God, for good according to all that I have done for this people. Problems from Within. We meet here when we come to uh, Nehemiah chapter number 5, problems from within. To give you a brief synopsis of the story, so I, like I kind of like to give away the end so you know where all the pieces fit. And to give you a little synopsis of the story, there's a great cry that comes from uh, God's people. At this moment, uh, there, was, uh, there was trouble. They were building the walls back. There was a lot of people. And the folks were having a hard time feeding their families. They were having a hard time keeping up enough corn to keep everybody fed. So much was the hard time that folks were actually borrowing money from other Jews. Jews were borrowing money from other Jews in order to just feed their families. Uh, the ones who had were loaning to the ones who did not have. And the problem was the ones who had were loaning to their brethren, the Jews, and they were charging interest. And not only were they charging interest, but they were holding as collateral their houses and their vineyards and their farms, etc. Now look, there's nothing wrong with borrowing money. There's nothing wrong with paying interest or even charging interest at times. But according to God's word, for a Jew to loan money to a Jew and charge interest, it was wrong. And God said you shouldn't do it. And this was something that these folks were very familiar with. But they were Jews loaning to Jews. And the way it was working, because of the corruption of the Jews that had and the leverage they were pulling on the Jews that had not, there was great trouble. 
These folks were quickly and swiftly losing their possessions, even losing their children. They were coming to situations where uh, they had to choose whether the children, their children had to choose whether they ate or went to be a servant. And the Bible even says that even some of our daughters now are in bondage. It was a fascinating thing and it was a cruel thing that was going on God's people doing this to God's people and the byproduct was there was great trouble. When Nehemiah hears this, I like the spirit of Nehemiah. I like a man that's got a backbone, one. I also like someone that's got a heart and has got some courage and some grit to use what authority has when someone's being mistreated, when someone's being undone, to stand his ground. And the Bible says that Nehemiah, in verse number 6, he says, I was very angry when I heard their crying these words. So Nehemiah does something quite fascinating. Nehemiah calls together a great meeting of the people who were guilty of taking advantage of the have-nots. And he gathered a great crowd of people and he held them all accountable for what they were doing. He says, you need not do this. You need not do this for the sake of the Word of God. And one thing that he says, and I'll bring a little more attention to it, that's quite interesting. He says, listen to yourself. Look what you're doing. God's people have been redeemed from bondage. I don't know if he was referencing Egypt, but most likely. He says God's people have been redeemed from, from, the bond, from bondage of the heathen. And now here you are, you're putting them into bondage and making them your servants. Are you going to sell them? He said, this doesn't make sense. He said, you shouldn't do that. God's word says you shouldn't do that. And he says, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. He says, you need to restore to these folks all that you've taken from them against God's will and out of God's word. These folks, they decided that we probably ought to do what Nehemiah said. And there was a great restoration and there was a great resolution made. Nehemiah says, look, here's the deal. I'm calling in the priests he called in the priests. He said, he said we're going we're gonna to promise before these priests, we're going to make a big deal about it. You're telling me that you're going to take care of this and you're going to take care of it today, right? Yes. Good. The priests have testified to that. And then he does something interesting. He shakes off his coat. He shakes off his cloak. And there's a picture of, that's fine, I'm giving this to God. And if you don't do what you're supposed to do, God will take care of you. And the end of the chapter, the Bible tells us, and Nehemiah tells us, he said, you know, my custom, and he became the governor for 12 years. Over the course of those 12 years, he said, I want you all to know, over the course of 12 years, I took nothing uh, from the people. He said, I tried to be generous to my help, and I tried to be a blessing to folks. And he ends this chapter with a prayer, and his prayer is this. He just says, Think upon me, my God, for good, according to all that I have done for this people. He ends this passage of Scripture with, Lord, I just pray that I please you with my life, with my actions. Problems from within. Let's consider a few things tonight. Number one, let's consider the greedy brethren. The greedy brethren. The greedy brethren. The Bible says in verse 1, there was a great cry of the people. 
and of their wives against their brethren, the Jews. Now this is interesting. It's important that we note that this was against their brethren, the Jews. Jews were, were, uh, were hurting Jews and there was infighting. There was problems within. There was a great cry of the people. There were people crying. And then the Bible says, and of their wives. Now this is significant because at this time, most of the time, a wife would have not said anything. A wife would have stayed silent in the shadows, but it got so bad that even the wives were crying out. The Bible says in verse 2, there were that said, We, our sons, our daughters, are many. Therefore we take up corn for them that we may eat and live. He says, look, there's a lot of us and we're taking up corn and we're doing all we can to feed them that we can live. He says, as a matter of fact, it's gotten pretty bad. Verse number 3, some also there were that said, We have mortgaged our lands, vineyards, and houses that we might buy corn because of the dearth. They said, look, it's gotten so bad that we've had to mortgage our houses and land, use them as leverage in order to be able to feed our families. Verse 4, there was more. There were also that said, We have borrowed money for the king's tribute. And the king, uh, at this, the king was calling for tribute money for taxes. They were trying to pay their taxes. And Jews were loaning to Jews in order that folks could pay their taxes and stay out of a debtor's prison and stay out of trouble with the law. And they've borrowed it against their lands and their vineyards. Verse number 5. Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as their children. And lo, we bring into bondage our sons and our daughters. They said, look, we're the same people. Our children are the same as their children. Their children are the same as our children. Our daughters are the same as their daughters. Our sons are the same as their... Look, we're the same people. We're the same group of people. He said, but some of our daughters are brought into bondage already. Neither is it in our power to redeem them. For other men have our lands and our vineyards. Now look, these folks said, Nehemiah, we've got a major problem. These people are hurting. They're hurting financially. They're being hurt from within. And there's a great problem. Let me tell you something. Greed is a terrible, heinous sin. And God's people are not to be greedy. Now look, you need to ask the Lord, am I greedy? And if you are, you need to do something to fix it. The Bible says that we should have the same mind as Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery equal with God, but he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What did Jesus do? Jesus gave himself that we could have eternal life. Jesus gave himself. Jesus humbled himself. He gave the splendors of heaven so that he could serve the public and people. And all of us, without exception, should be determined with God's help to not be greedy, selfish, unkind, Members of the body of Christ. It was a tough day in Nehemiah's life when he found out that some people, there was a lot of good things going on all around, but he found out that there are certain folks among us, our people, folks who should be, be, uh, be interested in the greater good, interested in accomplishing God's will, but there's a group of folks among us that have become so greedy that they're willing even to harm and put into bondage and take as slaves the children of their own brethren. It's a bad day. Now, I'll just tell you something. Greed will cause you to do some pretty dirty, rotten things. 
And I want to encourage you to ask the Lord, Lord, am I greedy? Am I selfish? Now look, you don't have to have a lot to be selfish. Some of those selfish people I've ever known have very little. And I wonder if that may be why they have so little. Because they're so stinking selfish. I know folks that have quite a bit. A modest amount. They're greedy. I know folks who have a lot and they're greedy. And I know folks in each of these sections and segments of life who are not. You know what God looks on? God does not look on the quantity of the gifts. God looks on the hearts of the givers. And God's people are to be generous, kind, compassionate. And we're to share. It's kind of interesting that two times today in our text, one text in Luke, the spirit of a Christian is a Christian who shares. And tonight in the Old Testament, the book of Nehemiah, the spirit of a Christian is a Christian who shares. Now look, this is not some type of socialist idea. But it is a notion that God calls on us all to be generous. To be generous. These greedy brethren, they were causing great trials and troubles. And there was great suffering among the body of Christ because of it, the greedy brethren. And then we meet with Nehemiah. I just love Nehemiah. Point number two, Nehemiah's gutsy rebuke. His gutsy rebuke. I think it's the first time I've ever used the word gutsy in a sermon point. But I kind of like it. He, he had some, some intestinal fortitude to do the right thing. He had some guts. The Bible says in verse 6, look at it with me. He says, I was very angry when I heard their cry and these words. Now, most anger is foolish and rooted in pride. But there is occasion where there is sound, solid, justifiable reasons to be angry. You know what we need to make sure? We need to ask the Lord, Lord, if I'm going to be angry, you make me angry about the right thing. You make me angry about the right thing. Now look, don't be angry about petty nothingness. Don't be angry about foolish, prideful things. But if God puts in your heart a hint of anger because someone being mistreated or undone or the, because He wants you to take a stand for what's right and good, by all means, have the guts it takes to stand up for what's right. He was angry. He was angry when he heard their cry in these words. Verse number 7, Then I consulted with myself. I love that phrase. I don't know, in, in some circles today, if you said I consulted with myself, you'd say, that guy's crazy. How, now, I'm just gonna, we've got to have a little, uh, little survey here just to see how crazy you guys are. How many of you, it may not be audible, but how many of you catch yourself very regularly talking to yourself. How many of you are like that? Good, you're all crazy like me. You wouldn't believe all the conversations I have. Uh, I'm wore out. I've talked to myself so much by the end of the day. But, but it's so fun. Nehemiah consults himself. Now, I think it's important we pay attention to this. And bottom line is, Nehemiah, he's mad. Do you know what he does? As soon as he's mad, he goes, rawr. No. He goes, hmm, let me think about this for a second. Self, 
How am I going to take care of this? Self, you know, sometimes you talk to yourself, I tell you what, if I have, I'm a half a mind to really let them have it. I'm a half a mind to go down there and punch somebody in the nose. I'm going to tell you, there will, I can't imagine a situation where go down there and punch them in the nose is going to be God's will, just so you know. But he consults with himself and God gives him some clarity. You know what I found out? If you'll take just a minute, at a moment when you're angry, and if the anger is righteous, God will direct you with a good, sound, solid, reasonable solution. And you need to obey the Lord and address situations that need to be addressed. The Bible says here, Then I consulted with myself, and I rebuked the nobles and the rulers, and said unto them, What did he do? He goes straight to the source. You know what we like to do? We like to go to everything but the source. Someone does something that is absolutely ridiculous and it needs to be rebuked. But because we are yellow-bellied cowards, you know what we do? We fuss about what they did, what they said, why they're wrong to everybody on the planet except for the person that you should say something to that you could probably help. You know what Christian people are supposed to do? The first step in resolving an issue is you are supposed to speak to that person. Let me back up. The first step is you're to speak to God about it. And then you're to speak to that person. Do you know how much grief and trouble you'd remove from your family and from the work of uh, from God's work and from your work situation? You know how much drama would go away if you'd go and talk and consult and confront and deal with, even rebuke if necessary, the folks that you're so upset and aggravated with. You know, I found out so often when you go. Ride to the source and ask the horse. He'll give you an answer that you'll endorse. When you go right to the source, guess what happens? Most of the time, that person is able to clear up a misunderstanding. Most of the time, that person's able to clear up something that you have imagined. You know what we're bad to do? Most drama is rooted in our crazy, foolish, sinful imagination. We imagine. That's why the Bible says we're to cast off imaginations. And if you go right to the person and deal with it, guess what happens? Often, not always, but often, a surprisingly amount of the time, you can deal directly with the problem and solve it. And you know what Nehemiah did? I'm so proud of him. Not that he cares if I'm proud of him or not. He's mad. He takes a minute and thinks about it. He says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going directly to the person that needs the rebuke. And he does. The byproduct is great. The Bible says in verse number 7, I rebuked the nobles and the rulers and said to them, Ye exact usury, every one of his brother. And I said a great assembly against them. He says, look, you're exacting uh, usury against your brother. He says, now look, we're going to have a talk about this. And I'm going to call all the folks together that's been doing this, and we're going to have a talk about it. And we're going to deal with this. We're going to get it out in the open. And we're going to get this right. 
Verse 8, he says, I said to them, We after our ability have redeemed our brethren, the Jews, which were sold unto the heathen. And will ye even sell your brethren? He said, look, God's brought us out of bondage. Are you going to put them back in bondage to yourself? Does that make sense? Do you think that pleases God? Or shall they be sold unto us? Look what they did. Then held they their peace and found nothing to answer. Do you know what happened? These guys are like, Man, you're right. Oh, man, you're right. When I look at this situation, I really want to put myself in the mind of the folks who have been guilty of charging interest, usury to their brethren, who have been guilty of putting their brethren in bondage. I want to put myself in their shoes for just a moment. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm confident that there was a group of these folks who were just following the following the trend. They were just, hey, look, one of their buddies said, hey, look, I've realized that we can start we can start loaning to folks who are having struggles with corn and we can charge a, uh, an interest rate and we can hold their their land as collateral and look it I mean it's just it's it's not personal it's just business and and they got into this routine of things and the next thing you know they'd settled into it they'd seared their it didn't feel right at first but they've seared their conscience and the next thing you know they've just been doing they've just been doing it and God used Nehemiah to say whoa stop that how many of you ever been caught up in something that was wrong and sinful. But along the way, God sent somebody to say, that's wrong, I think you're doing the wrong thing. And God used somebody, a sermon, a preacher. God used a friend. God used a parent to say, whoa, you're doing the wrong thing. And you're thankful that God sent that person along. I know I am. And Nehemiah, he stood up and did what was right and said what was right, though it was probably very uncomfortable. And the response he got from the perpetrator was this. They held their peace, found nothing to answer. Verse 9, also I said, it's not good that ye do. Ought ye not to walk in the fear of our God? He says, he says, it's not good what you're doing. You should walk in the fear of God. And here's the reason why. Because of the reproach of the heathen, our enemies. Guess what uh, Nehemiah brought? He says, look. The way you're doing your own people, when our enemies hear it, it's going to be a reproach to the name of God to folks who need to put their trust in God. Verse 10, he says, I likewise and my brethren and my servants might exact of them money and corn. I pray you, let us leave off this user. He says, look, I can, I'm going to, I've, God's blessed me. He says, he says I, I can help. I can give, I can loan, and you can loan, and others that I know can loan. My brethren, my servants, they can, they can exact money for corn. They can, they can help folks. He says, but good night. Let's leave off this usury. Let's leave off the part of this equation. Now, I've got to qualify that there really is no sin in the New Testament day for charging a fair interest. But God's word had declared that charging interest Jew to Jew was a sin and they knew it and they had to stop it. And Nehemiah said, we've got to stop, leave off this usury. He says, not only that, here's what you need to do. Verse 11, he says, you need to restore. He says, restore, I pray you, to them even this day their lands, their vineyards, their olive yards, and their houses. He says, you need to restore to them what you've taken. We're going to make this right. Also, verse number 11, you see that? Also, the hundredth part of the money. The hundredth part. What in the world is that? 
This was a monthly sum, a hundredth part. One hundredth part, 12 times in a year is 12% interest. That's what they were charging. He says you need to return the hundredth part of the money and of the corn and the wine and the oil that ye exact of them. Verse number 12, then said they, we will restore them. We will require nothing of them. So will we do as thou sayest. Then I called the priest. He says, all right, I've heard your word. Now we're going to seal this thing. We're going to make it sure. I called the priest, took an oath of them, and they, that they should do according to this promise. I also shook my lap and said, So God shake out every man from his house and from his labor that performeth not this promise. Even thus be he shaken out and emptied. And all the congregation said, Amen, and praised the Lord. And the people did according to this promise. I think this is so encouraging. Nehemiah, he dealt hard and swift. But the people got right. The people said, you know what? I've been taking advantage of this person and I'm going to stop it and I'm going to make it right. The people said, we've been sinning against God and it's not right and I'm going to stop that mess. And Nehemiah said, you're going to stop it and you're going to profess it. You're going to take care of business and you're going to make things right and pay the restitution that you need to pay and we're going to do it before the priest and before God and you need to do it and you need to do it swiftly. And the end result, I love the end result of this. The Bible says all the congregation said, Amen. We agree. And they praised the Lord. Guess what happened? There was unity among God's people again. Why? How? Nehemiah had the guts to rebuke and deal with directly the sin. Oh, it's so sweet. The problems were thin, the greedy brethren, gutsy rebuke. And finally, number three, the great example. The great example. When we begin in verse number 14, Nehemiah gives us an example of how the Lord had led him to lead his life. Verse 14, the Bible says, Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year even unto the 2 and 30th year of Artaxerxes the king, that is 12 years, I and my brethren have not eaten the bread of the governor. The bread of the governor would have been the, the, the rightful portion that folks would have given in taxes in order that the governor could survive. There was nothing wrong with the portion of the governor. There was actually, it was expected and okay. But Nehemiah said, look, God had blessed me and I didn't need to take from the people in order to feed myself and my servants and my people and my help. He said, Former, verse 15, former governors that had been before me, they were chargeable unto the people and had taken of them bread. And wine. He said, besides that, they've taken 40 shekels of silver as taxes. Yea, even their servants bear rule over the people. But so did not I because of the fear of God. He said, we didn't have to do that. We didn't do that. We didn't have to charge that. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for anybody in leadership who says we need to take less taxes. And all God's people said, Amen. Nehemiah said, look, I didn't need the taxes, so I didn't take the taxes. He says in verse 16, Yea, also I continued in the work of this wall. He says, I just kept working, kept serving, neither bought we any land. He said, we didn't do anything exorbitant or wrong or sinful. We didn't buy any land. And all my servants were gathered thither unto the work. He said, we all pitched in and did the work. Moreover, there were at my table 
and hundred and fifty of the Jews and rulers beside those that came unto us from among the heathen that are about us. Now, what's he saying? He says, not only that, he said, I paid to feed these folks. He says every day there was 150 Jews at my table and that doesn't count all the heathen, all the Gentiles that we brought in to help with the work. He says, let me tell you about that. Now that which was prepared, verse 18, for me daily was one ox, six choice sheep. Also fowls were prepared for me and once in ten days store of all sorts of wine. Yet for all this required not I the bread of the governor because the bondage was heavy upon this people. He says, look, every day we fed this mass of people. Someone said as I was studying that that amount of food was uh, enough to feed 500 people. We don't know how many people he's feeding, but he's feeding a bunch. 150 plus a bunch. And he just makes the point, he says, look, when the work of God needs to be done, God's people need to be generous. God's people can't be greedy. God's people need to be uh, willing to invest in the work. And Nehemiah said, look, I did what I could, the best I could. Nehemiah was wise about how he worked and dealt. And it's sweet to see. The way Nehemiah dealt with the problem inside was he addressed it. He addressed it. And he also set a great example of a person as generous. You know, God's people, we should be generous. What was his motive? I know what his motive was. His motive was that folks would say, wow, Nehemiah gave a lot. No, not at all. As a matter of fact, the Lord Jesus, he really wants us to do our giving as secretively as is humanly possible. It's not always possible to do it perfectly anonymously, but we're to do our giving as secretly as possible. It's not for the show and applause of men. And this passage of Scripture is ended with a beautiful prayer, and it should be our desire like Nehemiah's. He says this, he prays a short prayer. He says, think upon me, my God, for good, according to all that I've done for this people. What was his burden? He said, Lord, I just want you to be pleased with me. I just want you to be pleased with me. You know, it's a tough subject as a preacher to talk about giving. I'm giving money. It's a tough subject. Giving of time, and it's a tough subject. G giving and serving, it's a tough subject. Lord knows I feel sorry for nursery workers when I preach extra long. It's a tough thing to ask folks to do things that are tough. But you know how God blesses a church like ours? When all of us individually, it's not we feel some type of pressure from the preacher. I got to give. I, I don't want that. That's not how we function. When we have in our heart this desire that says, God, whatever I can do for you, let me do it to please you. Lord, let me just please you with my life. Let me please you with my resources. Let me please you with my energy and strength. Lord, let me please you. Nehemiah's burden was not that folks would say, I'm going to tell you one thing. Oh, Nehemiah, he is one 
tough nut. He went to all the rulers and leaders and he let them have it. Wow. Not only that, that boy gives a bunch. That wasn't his burden. We know that's true of Nehemiah. But that wasn't his burden. He had one purpose. He said, Lord, whatever I do, I just want to please you. You know what I ask folks to do? I ask folks to just do what God has put on your heart to do. I ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to serve? How do you want me to give? How do you want me to invest in your work? Lord, what can I do to please you? You know what happens when you obey the Lord? The needs are all met. And you have peace in your heart. You've pleased the Lord. And served Him with what He's blessed you with. It's a sweet thing. God wants us to do His will. Problems from within are the byproduct of greed. Problems from within are solved when God's people decide, Hey, look, I'm not going to be greedy. I'm not going to be selfish. I'm going to do my part to please the Lord with my life. It's a sweet thing. It's fun to watch God bring resolve to such a tough situation. But He does. When God's people act righteously. It's a sweet thing to see from Nehemiah chapter 5. Let's pray.